Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name is Michael Adams and today we're going back to Sunday the 29th of July 1917. That was the day a young man had an accident in one of the most remote parts of Australia. And what happened after that would inspire one of this country's great men to his greatest achievement. The story of Jimmy Darcy is a little like yesterday's one about Kevin Budden, in that from tragedy, many lives were saved. In 1917, the name Darcy was big news and it was sad news. James Leslie Darcy, known to all as Les, was our most famous boxer and the whole country grieved when he died in America in May that year. What James Darcy, known as Jimmy, a jackaroo on the Ruby Plains Station in the Kimberley region of northwest Western Australia, thought of his namesake's passing isn't known. However, he can't have guessed that he himself would be in many newspapers less than three months later and that he'd actually go on to have a far bigger impact on history, albeit unknowingly, than the famous boxer. Jimmy Darcy was born in August 1888 in Queensland to an Irish father who was a long way from his hometown of Tipperary and to a mother who hailed from Victoria. This couple had a lot of sons, James being the third, and the boys were handy with horses, one becoming a Perth jockey and three, including James, working in the Kimberley. On the morning of Sunday the 29th of July 1917, Jimmy was out on horseback in the rough landscape. When the herd of cattle he had charge of began to stampede, he tried to head them off, but his horse lost its footing and threw him down hard into a gully where he went under cattle hooves. Jimmy was battered, stomped and helpless, out in the middle of nowhere. It was a few hours before his fellow jackaroos found him, and another two hours before they got him back to the station. There wasn't a doctor for 250 miles, so Jimmy's mates loaded him into a horse buggy. Their destination was Halls Creek, 50 miles away. There, Fred Tuckett might be able to help. After all, he was a resourceful fellow. Fred had to be. His job titles included postmaster, telegraph superintendent, magistrate, mining warden, roads commissioner, and protector and registrar of Aborigines. But the Jackaroos were going to be enlisting Fred's skills as a bush doctor, which only meant he'd done first aid training. Jimmy's mate set out with him in that horse dray at 2pm. An article in the Inlander magazine in 1918 described just how horrible this bumpy 12-hour journey was for the injured man. Quote, On the way in, the buggy had stopped now and then for no ordinary cause. The sick man could bear cramp and pain no longer, so he got on the ground and rolled about in desperation, then climbed in again and continued with set pale face. You use crude means of allaying pain out where things are as they were in the beginning. Reaching Halls Creek at two in the morning, they woke Fred Tuckett. As he examined Jimmy's injuries, he realised his first aid training wasn't going to be enough. 
The jackaroo's abdomen was dark with bruising that indicated internal bleeding. At 6am, Fred sent Morse code telegraph messages to his counterparts at Derby and Wyndham, the two closest towns with doctors, to see if these medical men could rush across the hundreds of miles of countryside to save Jimmy. When the dot dash replies were received, the news was terrible. Both doctors were out in the bush seeing patients and wouldn't be back for days. By then, it'd be too late. But one of Jimmy's brothers still lived at Wyndham, and that Perth jockey brother was also there visiting. These two blokes knew nothing about medicine, but they were damned if they weren't going to be with Jimmy, so they jumped on their horses and started riding. Ahead of them were 250 miles of some of the roughest country in Australia. Meanwhile, Fred Tuckett did the only thing he could think of. He telegraphed Perth's Dr John Holland, who was the man who'd taught him first aid. Sending a telegraph wasn't as simple as just pressing a button, especially over such distance. Messages had to be sent by Morse code, and telegraphs only had a range of a few hundred miles, so anything that needed to go farther than that had to go via repeater station. There, an operator would write down the Morse code message and then tap it out again to the next repeater operator. From Halls Creek to Perth was around 1,200 miles. That is, as straight as the crow flies. But it was nearly twice that by telegraph wire route. Despite this difficulty, Fred's message was received in Perth. Dr Holland was summoned and sat by a telegraph operator at the post office, who coded his list of questions that had helped him diagnose Jimmy Darcy. This was an incredibly laborious process because that message was 269 words long. The communication was sent, repeated and repeated and repeated until it was received. When Dr Holland got the answer in Perth, he knew what Jimmy was suffering from, a ruptured bladder. At Halls Creek, Fred Tuckett was gobsmacked and terrified when he got the next message from Dr Holland, who told him via Morse code, quote, you must operate. Fred replied, operate? Dr Holland, yes. Fred, I have no instruments. Dr H, you have a penknife and a razor. Fred, what about drugs? Dr H, use permanganate of potash. Fred, but I can't do it. Dr H, you must. Fred, I might kill the man. Dr John Holland, if you don't hurry, the patient will die. Following his instructions, Fred and Jimmy's mates scrubbed themselves as clean as they could and prepared a clean sheet on a table. Fred readied his razor and sharpened his knife. As Jimmy's mates held their friend steady, Fred gave his patient a shot of morphia and told the man operating the telegraph to advise the distant doctor that he was ready. Instructions started to come in and Fred went to work and then waited for the next directives from Dr Holland. Over the next seven hours, he sliced Jimmy open, located the ruptured bladder, stitched it closed, did whatever cleaning and irrigating he could, and then sewed up his patient's abdomen. He reported everything to Dr Holland, who was pleased with how it had gone. In his book, The Man on the $20 Notes, author Everald Compton says Jimmy's mates gave him a nice cold beer, and then he went to sleep. By the next day... Jimmy's condition was deteriorating. In Perth, Dr Holland told Fred the news he really, really didn't want to hear. He'd have to operate again. 
Following a new round of telegraphed instructions, he reportedly completed this procedure skillfully in a couple of hours. Yet Jimmy didn't improve, and Dr. Holland ordered another surgery. This was the most dangerous of the operations because Jimmy's bladder had swollen enormously. Perth's Daily News ran a cracking headline on the 10th of August that described the story to date. Quote, Cheating death. Marvellous operation. Conducted by telegraph. From Perth to Halls Creek. A layman's skill. Directed by Perth surgeon. The article included this. Quote, it can easily be imagined that the patient must have suffered agonies. Still, the machine tapped off the messages and the advice was dispatched over the wires. Without anaesthetics, except morphia, with a razor and using, it is said, Condi's crystals as a disinfectant, the layman undertook the more serious operation and a further incision was made to relieve the sufferer. Latest reports are to the effect that the work was successfully accomplished and that the patient is making good progress. Jimmy Darcy was stable and happy about the arrival of his brothers, who, the newspapers breathlessly reported, had ridden nearly non-stop to cover 250 miles in just 80 hours. Now, though, it was Dr Holland's turn to make an epic voyage of his own. Jimmy wasn't out of the woods yet. Antibiotics were still a quarter of a century in the future, and post-surgical infection was common, more so, of course, outside of a hospital. Jimmy needed ongoing professional medical care. Yet, he wasn't in any sort of shape to be moved the 1,200 miles to Perth. So Dr Holland would have to go to him. On the 9th of August, Dr Holland boarded the first available cattle boat heading north. As the Daily News reported, quote, The surgeon concerned is now on his way to Halls Creek, having left by boat yesterday, and in the meantime, another well-known city surgeon is making the daily visits to the operator's room at the GPO to receive reports of the patient's condition and give advice as to the treatment he should receive pending the arrival of the medical man now on the way. It is stated that as a result of the last operation, a large amount of blood and fluid was released and the patient was immediately relieved. Dr Holland's cattle boat had to battle rough seas up the coast for seven days before it reached Derby, nearly 1,500 miles north of Perth. There, locals were like people in the rest of Australia. They'd read about the remarkably game feat of remote surgery and they were backing Jimmy Darcy just as they'd backed his young boxing namesake. Unlike the rest of Australia, though, Darby's people could lend Dr Holland a hand, or at least the use of a Model T Ford for the 330-odd mile journey east. According to some accounts, upon reaching Fitzroy Crossing, Dr Holland sent a message to Halls Creek asking how Jimmy was doing. Fred Tuckett replied, Patient says he will walk out to meet you and doesn't mind the fever. Dr Holland and his helpers ploughed on. They had to be glad they were nearly there because a fever was a sign of post-surgical infection. When the track narrowed, Dr Holland had to swap the Model T for a smaller vehicle. But this car broke down five times and eventually ran out of petrol. Dr Holland hiked to a homestead, borrowed a buggy and horses and rode through the night to cover the remaining 25 miles to Halls Creek. He arrived at 5 in the morning on the 23rd of August, two weeks after he'd set out from Perth. Dr Holland saw Fred Tuckett and asked, how is the patient? Fred had to be dreading this moment. 
All he could say was, he died yesterday morning. Both men were crushed. Fred Tuckett shouldered no blame. When Dr. Holland performed a post-mortem, he found that the postmaster had done everything just as he'd been ordered. It would have been reasonable to assume that Jimmy's fever was the result of infection, but the post-mortem showed there was no blood poisoning or other infection. Jimmy had died from malaria. Dr. Holland knew that if he or another medical man had been there, a malaria diagnosis could have been made, Jimmy could have been treated, and his life saved. When he returned to Perth, Dr. Holland told his story to a man whose mission was the health, physical, mental, and spiritual of Australians who lived in remote regions. This man took note of what Dr. Holland said. That is, if he ever had to go back to Halls Creek or a similar town, he'd fly. As it happened, this man had already received a suggestion from an Australian aviator serving in the Great War, saying that doctors could use planes to do good in the outback. Over the next decade, this man, John Flynn, would tell Jimmy Darcy's story wherever he went to drum up support for his dream project. In his book, The Man on the $20 Note, Everald Compton says the story took on folkloric proportions that rivalled the man from Snowy River. There's no doubt Australians were stirred by the story of how game Jimmy Darcy, Fred Tuckett, Dr John Holland and everybody else involved had been. While it was a great bushfire yarn, it wasn't something you'd wish on anybody else. And if possible, it had to be avoided in the future. Just over 10 years later, on the other side of the country, the Flying Doctor Service, then known as the Australian Aerial Medical Service, made its first mercy flight to a nursing home in the Queensland outback. The plane carried a doctor who that day operated on two patients, and both survived. As the Royal Flying Doctor Service website rightly puts it, quote, the legend of the Flying Doctor was born. And it was a legend, of course, that grew out of the legend of Jimmy Darcy. I'm Michael Adams, and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.